Welcome back to another episode of the Strength and Speed Podcast. I'm your host, Mudgear Battle Alliance Pro and Strength and Speed owner, Evan Preparis. No guests today. I just wanted to give you guys a quick update on what's been going on. I know I haven't recorded an episode in a while, so I wanted to check in with you guys and let you know that we're still doing good and still planning to continue the podcast and give you updates from the OCR world, specifically some of the areas that I touch on. Before we get to that, though, a quick word from this episode's sponsor. This episode's brought to you by Hyperware. Hyperware makes a variety of weight training and athletic tools. Um, I did a review on them a couple years ago from Mud Run Guide, their Hyperware athletic training vest. It's definitely the best one on the market because the, the weights are super small, which means it like conforms to your body. So it makes it really comfortable to wear. And it, it has like elastic sides, which allows you to stretch. We were working out with the KCOCR group and I was wearing it. It was kind of size for me. And one of the other guys who's much bigger than me picked it up, put it on and didn't even adjust it. And it seemed to fit both of us fine because that elastic sides. But their newest product, a review that I just published on Mud Run Guide, adjustable weight plates. So for those of you who are more into Go Ruck or looking to do Memorial Day Murph or just like that kind of more tactical look, the they're essentially plates that slide into a normal plate carrier. But within the plate, it's got all these like plastic sleeves with ball bearings in them. So you can actually adjust the weight. So mostly if you're going to buy a tactical vest that you're going to use for athletic training, it typically just sends you a metal plate and that's your weight and it's a fixed weight and you can't adjust it. What's awesome about this one is you can you can adjust it so you can make your training progressive. If you're a gym owner or you own a or you run a fitness group, it's really great because not everyone's the same fitness level, so you can kind of adjust it based off of how they're doing or what their fitness background is. And honestly, it's a lot more comfortable, right? So the hard metal plate is not going to flex to your body. It it is it is very rigid. This is is is, is bendable, right? So it it conforms a little more to your body, so it's going to be a little more of a comfortable fit. Now, obviously, it does not stop bullets, but that's okay because uh, those those plates are, are very expensive. Um, so most people are not buying those unless you specifically want that for uh, that enhanced protection there. And the other product from Hyperware that I just picked up is their sandbag. So what's awesome about their sandbags, also adjustable, right? So we're seeing a, a common theme here. And the you know it's, it's a big bag, and you can throw what I'm going to call sandbags... I call them pancakes, right? But that's that's not what they call them. It, but that's what they look like, right? So they're they're sandbags that are pre-filled and they're double wrapped. Uh, the outside is like a neoprene uh, pancake-looking thing. So like the thing's indestructible, basically. Um, I've been throwing them around, testing them out, and haven't even managed to like have a little bit of sand leak, right? That they are they are secure. So their sandbag essentially is, is like a tough exterior, and then you take these. 10 pound or they have larger ones that you can throw in there and it fills it up so it what's cool is it allows you to adjust the weight very quickly and also lets you know that it's not going to break again you, you can toss it you can do cleans with it whatever you want to do with it so ch- head over and check out hyperware uh they've been following the ocr high rocks go rec games and all that good stuff so they're they're big fans and big supporters of our sport and if you want to save some money you can use code hype 15 to save 15 percent off that's hype h-y-p-e 15. All right, let's get to what I've been up to. So first off, I haven't recorded an episode in a while because Tough Mudder's Infinite Hero Honor Challenge, right? So that is the charity event I've been running for Tough Mudder, or organizing. And essentially we had six weeks in a row where it was week of uh, week of an event, and then I had a week off, week of an event, week off, week of an event, week off. 
So I was traveling other, uh, every other weekend, and then pretty much on my free weekends, that's when I would do like my normal racing. So I haven't been home for several weekends, which is normally when I record podcasts. Uh, during the week, again, a personal interest of mine, I start, I've kind of expanded the martial arts I've been taking. So I take Kali, so Filipino stick fighting, Jeet Kune Do, which is Bruce Lee's martial art, and then Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, grappling. I think everyone's pretty familiar with that. So that's really cut down the amount of time I've had to record podcasts. And then you add in, obviously, I want to spend time with my family. So, you know, the podcast is kind of the first thing to drop off the plate. But I wanted to push out another episode, let you know I'm still here and, you know, give you some of those updates. So Infinite Hero Honor Challenge is done for 2022. Uh, will it come back in 2023? I don't have that insight. That's up to Tough Mudder and Infinite Hero Foundation and their partnership. I sure hope it does. If... You know, if you didn't get a chance to do one in the last two years, when you talk to Tough Mudder staff or when you fill out any of their opinion surveys, you know, let them know you want that to come back. One, because it helps me, and two, uh, because it's a great event. And what I really liked about 2022's event is I got to build it from the ground up. So the 2021 event was built uh, largely by Tough Mudder, and I kind of added in some backstory and some justification for why we're doing certain things. The 2022 storyline, I built it from the ground up. So I created the challenges created um you know why we're doing stuff and i tied it to lessons from combat and uh, mental health to help not only give participants a fun and challenging experience but also to teach them some valuable lessons learned so we had three great turnouts the one in college station we had about 60 people sign up about 50 people showed up the day of and included a group of cadets from texas a&m so that was really fun for me so i got to take 22 cadets future uh, marine leaders a couple navy guys um, that are you know that will enter service and kind of take them through a fun team building event and also physically challenge them and then share some kind of personal war stories with them to kind of keep them motivated and that that was really cool because you know you always i think the few the generations are always like, oh, well, you know, the people coming in are not as good as they used to be. And it was really cool to see these young cadets kind of rise to the occasion. And, uh, you know, I think a lot of that's just people's uh, rosy reflection of the past without realizing how maybe how bad they used to be personally. So it was great to see the Texas A&M cadets kind of go out there and crush it. What was kind of funny was that was the first all-military group I had. And, you know, what's interesting about the groups is they play to their strengths. So the military group was just, like, muscling through everything, right? Like, less concerned about problem solving, more concerned about, like, well, there's a way to do this, and I can just, like, man up and kind of drive on through it. That's what I'm going to do. So that's what they did for a lot of the events. They just kind of, like, muscled their way through it, and it was pretty fun to watch. You know, compare that to my next group, which was about my uh, next two groups I did, which was L.A. and Atlanta. It was about half military, half civilian LA, we had about also about 60, 60, 70 people sign up. Again, about 50 people on the day of the event. Half military, half civilian. Again, so it was kind of cool to build that civilian military relationships. This was some Army guys from Fort Irwin, along with uh, some civilians. And what was cool about the civilians, a lot of them were from the endurance world, right? So uh, Ronald Tortola, who helped me in um, College Station. Um, a lot of them are from his world, right? So they, they do the go rocks, they do the hurricane heats, they do selection, stuff like that. And I got some really good feedback from them. Uh, mostly that the, you know, the Tough Mudders Infinite Hero was, it was on brand for Tough Mudder. So they were like, you know, one of them was like, why? Well, you know, I did an endurance event last weekend. I was kind of run down and beaten up. And I honestly wasn't looking forward to this. 
she's like, and when I came, it's just been, it's just been a really pleasant experience. And, uh, you know, I'm really glad I haven't, I'm having a great time. Yeah. I had other people say it was the best endurance event they've ever done. And this is from people within the community. Uh, so that was really fun to hear. And then moving on to Atlanta, that last group was smaller, right? So I think we only had about 17 registrations, about 12 showed up on the day of the event. But honestly, I think that Atlanta group was probably the tightest group uh, we created over the course of the uh, the three events in 2022. So that, that mix of veterans and civilians, again, kind of really bonded uh, due to Atlanta's venue, which was just really spread out. They also had the longest time on course, so they were out. Uh, they were on course for over 10 hours uh, walking around just because the movements ended up being a lot farther. But yeah, it was a cool event. You know, we had them navigate kind of point to point. So they get a map without the obstacles on there. And then they have to, there's just kind of points on a geographic map. And they have to find their way to those points based off of either guidance I give them or essentially boxes that they find at designated areas. You know, once they get to each point, I'm typically, I meet them there. Um, there's a couple times I walk with them, but the majority of the times I let them on their own, let them create that own personal bonding experience among their own group. And then I give them a challenge to go overcome. Uh, so one of the fun ones we did this year was inspired from the Tough Mudder community. So uh, there's a thing in Tough Mudder called Assist 100 Mudders, and the idea is you sit on an obstacle and you help 100 people over. So in the storyline, again, everything has a storyline, everything's themed. The storyline was there was a prison break. And you need to help the prisoners escape out of the uh, compound. So I need you to help a hun- pull 100 people over Everest. So it was pretty cool because, um, especially for the two earlier events, at three points during the day, we had a hundred. We had uh, the group of the Infinite Hero people in their purple bibs on top of Everest, just yanking people up and kind of helping that that throughput on that obstacle. So not only did we help people have a good time, uh, do something physically challenging. Uh, teach a lesson, but also we like helped the course run smoother, which was kind of a cool thing. Uh, you may have also seen them balancing ping pong balls, these green ping pong balls on spoons on some of my Instagram stories. Again, everything, we tie everything to a storyline, right? So 2021, uh, the storyline was there's a down satellite behind uh, enemy lines, and they have to go recover the satellite. And while they're recovering the satellite, they encounter a bunch of quick reaction force or QRF missions. So essentially, the satellite was a medicine ball, a heavy medicine ball. So they find that fairly early. They pick it up, and then they're lugging this thing around the rest of the day. And then while they're doing that, they get all these other missions that are passed down to them. Um, you know, and there's a possibility of capture. So if they get captured, they get essentially get tied together, and they might have to do an obstacle tied together. And um, you know, both 2021 and 2022, we had them uh, their escape route essentially led them through Arctic Enema. So they had to go up Arctic Enema in reverse, which is always a cool thing to watch because, you know, unlike the other obstacles, you can have a kind of a, a half-baked plan and get in there and muscle through it. But if you try that on Arctic Enema, you end up standing in the ice water and people are suffering. So you need you need something good and coherent going in to make sure you don't, you're not destroying people by having them just stand in ice water. A 2022 storyline was focused on recovery of VX gas. So if you've seen The Rock, the VX gas is those green balls, uh, not actually green in real life, a VX gas isn't, but um, that's what I use for the, the storyline there. So the ping pong balls, the green ping pong balls they were uh, trying to carry around were essentially VX samples, right? So they, they had to go find those at some point on the course, and then due to, you know, you can't really be handling VX just with your hands, so in order to keep it safe, they had um, uh, safety equipment, which is spoons, and they were balancing the spoons, ping pong balls on the spoons, and then if they dropped them, 
in order to clear their system of the VX, they had to do 10 air squats as a group, right? So, you know, everything's a little bit themed. So, you know, unlike some of the other endurance events, I'm not going to, you're not going to just show up and you're going to do uh, burpees because I tell you to do burpees because uh, there are no burpees in Infinite Hero Honor Challenge. Uh, but you're going to do stuff for a reason. And then a lot of times after the event, we'll do a, we'll, each little challenge, we'll do a quick after action review and I'll try to teach them a lesson on teamwork or communication or, you know, it might be some of the challenges, you know, a couple people on the team end up bearing more of the burden than the other. And um, that's not different than projects at work or projects in real life and, uh, or, you know, situations in combat where, you know, a couple of us had to just due to where we were on the battlefield had to bear more of the burden than some of the other guys, or maybe just as your personal strengths, right? Like there's some guys who are capable of carrying heavier things. So sometimes we make them carry heavier things, um, because that's what their strength lies in. Then one of my other favorite ones we had them go through was um, cage crawl. So if you're familiar with cage crawl, it is you uh, lie on your back and your face is above the water and you kind of go underneath a, uh, a fence there to get to the other side. So again, for the storyline for that was um, they had to get through, they had to access the prisoner compound by going through a black water tunnel, right? So essentially, you know, unclean water. And in order to protect their eyes from permanent damage, they had to wear protective eyewear. So that protective eyewear is a blindfold. So they essentially had to do cage crawl blindfolded. So you're taking um, a stressful situation, right? Being mostly submerged in water with just your face exposed. And then we're adding another element of fear into it, which is not being able to see. And when you're actually in cage crawl, if the water's high enough, it covers your ears so you can't hear very well either. And I really like that one because it teaches kind of the fear of the unknown. You know, there's a lot of situations where you're going to be scared of stuff just because you don't understand what's coming next. And I like cage crawl because it is, it's it's actually very safe, right? If you stand up and cage crawl, those cages will, o- will open, they'll move. So you're standing in like two feet of water and um, yeah, completely safe, but it, it feels unsafe, right? It feels like I am, um, I, you know, I'm deprived of senses. I don't know where I am. I can't hear my teammates and it teaches you to kind of like face that fear and overcome it. So you know, very on brand with Tough Mudder because Tough Mudder uh, plays in your fears, right? They play on your fear of heights, fears of enclosed spaces with obstacles like Birth Canal, fear of electricity, um, you know, just fear of swimming <laughs> if you're afraid of the water. Yeah, so Infinite Hero went great. I'm not sure what our total money we raised was, but we I know at the first event we hit over $16,000. Um, I need to get the additions of the last two events, but overall it was a great year. You know, we raised a lot of money. Um, one of the guests I have lined up was is at uh, College Station, uh, quadriplegic, uh, someone who's received the benefits from Infinite Hero. So we're going to try to get him on. Tried to get him on two weeks ago. Our schedule's in a lineup. Again, got super busy. Speaking of Infinite Hero, I've got a charity fundraiser coming up. I'm going to get to that in a second, though. wanted to share a quick word from the L.A. trip. So I flew out to L.A., Stayed over uh, my friend Amin Dibbs' place. So the owner of Hannibal Race is actually hanging out in America for a little bit, getting his citizenship, uh, which is great to hear. So it was cool to see him and not be, you know, in Lebanon or Kuwait or someplace else in the Middle East. It was cool to have him in America. You know, just like when I'm overseas, uh, you know, he's in a, he's in my country at this point, but he's still treating me with like the most ridiculous hospitality. So it was really cool. I got to hang out with him. And one of the things that we did that was fun, we actually drove down to Coronado. So we landed in L.A., drove two hours south through a lot of traffic into Coronado, met up with uh, Holy Grail champion from 2020, 2019, Mark James, 
who's a Navy SEAL instructor. We've had him on the podcast before. If anyone wants a great episode, you can go back and listen to that. But he took us into the SEAL compounds. So I guess I can access it because I'm, I'm military anyway. But he, he escorted us in and uh, couldn't get up close with the, the SEAL trainees because uh, we're not allowed to do that. Um, and they're in the middle of, obviously, training, so we can't be disrupting that. But we did get to go and play on the Navy SEAL obstacle course, which was actually a lot harder than I expected. So um, I've got some pictures of it, and you can check out what it looks like online. But the, you know, some of the ropes were like super thick, so it kind of stressed your grip strength more. Um, you know, there's not crash pads underneath anything, so if you're scared of heights, it's definitely going to play on that fear because if you fall, essentially all you're landing on is sand, which is a little bit loose, kind of hard packed. So you know, it's it's going to be a little bit of a messy of a fall. And then the the one I remember thinking that was most unique about the seal uh, obstacle course was this like downward Tyrolean traverse and it is long and it is high I was I got up there and you know Mark Mark's done it before so he's like I'm gonna go ahead first and I'm like okay cool he's like yeah you can do whatever you want and I was like I was about to go ahead first and I was like we're pretty high let me I'm just gonna go on the bottom uh just to be safe like last thing I want to do is be a guest and like fall and hurt myself uh before an event I have to organize so I went on the bottom it was exhausting on the arms so it definitely gave your arms a good pump. And uh, it was long, too. So you, you might want to check out, uh, like, even YouTube uh, Navy SEAL Obstacle Course and kind of see what it is. The other hard thing is the obstacles are back-to-back, right? So there's almost no running. You know, the running is, like, 20, 20 30, 40, 50 feet, depending on which obstacle you're running between. Um, so it's it's basically all all upper body obstacles. The monkey bars were super easy. That was, like, the only thing I thought was really easy. Um, another one that was hard was a swing, stop, and jump. So you grab a rope and you swing forward and kind of have to land on a beam. Uh, Mark said you get three tries per obstacle. Uh, so that one took me three tries just to get them the correct momentum down. Um, the We call it a monkey bridge from Boy Scout camp. So essentially it's one wire in the middle and then two wires on the side. Uh, that was pretty high. So again, I'm, I'm very comfortable with heights, but even I got up there and I was like, all right, I can see, uh, I can see how people could get nervous during this. And you know, I'm five, six, so I'm not super tall, so when I was reaching out for the, the the two wires on the side, like I really had to stretch my body. So I could see, um, again, if you're my height or shorter, you're going to be a little uncomfortable trying to like uh, maneuver across that obstacle. The rolling logs were pretty slippery, um, and I think what's so you know I've done I've done the air assault obstacle course, uh, famous one at Fort Campbell. I've done the Darby Queen, another famous one at uh, Fort Benning at Ranger School, and I've done the Nasty Nick. Another famous one at Special Forces Assessment and Selection, as well as the Q course located at Camp McCall in Fort Bragg, North Carolina. And to me, I hate to admit this because I'm an Army Special Forces guy, right? But to me, the Navy SEAL one is the hardest one. Um, and the reason is, I'd say two two reasons. One, uh, it was very upper body intensive, and like I said, there's very little running, so it's going to pump out your arms. And two, the bigger reason is the Navy SEAL one is timed, right? So you have to make it through there. I think Mark said the time limit was like 10 minutes. So you have to power through this thing in 10 minutes, which means your arms are going to be pumped out. And you're you're at heights. This like the, some of the tallest ones, like that downward Tyrolean Traverse is all the way at the end, right? So you're going you're gonna to be going on that. Your arms are going to be pumped out. It's going to be rough. Um, so you, ha- you have to make it in a time limit versus uh, Air Assault, uh, Darby Queen, Nasty Nick, they're all just completion. So all they're looking for is for you to complete the obstacle. Now, the, the trade-off there is 
at the uh, at the army schools um a lot of times there are instructors between obstacles that are essentially making you do other exercises right so yes you're doing 30 obstacles but at the same time like you know you're doing sometimes you're doing 50 flutter kicks in between obstacles or you're doing you know 30 jumping jacks or you're doing 30 push-ups whatever whatever it may be uh touching your boots so essentially like knee bends air squats type stuff but yeah i thought it was a really good workout um even just kind of playing around i didn't quite have the adrenaline going that i would normally have during a race but i was like this is harder than i thought it was going to be so yeah obviously always always a lot of respect for our navy seal brothers um i'm not a super big fan of uh prolonged breath holds and free diving and if you read my biography ultra ocr man you know why i'll just kind of leave it at that so yeah it was cool and it was cool to see kind of inside the seal compound and hang out with mark james for a little bit i wanted to use him as one of the infinite hero honor uh, advisors slash cadre uh, but he wasn't available that weekend he was running a different fitness group so in la we had um uh, brandon walrich tough mutter ambassador guy and then we had Ted Ibarra, death race finisher, has uh, done the triple heavy go ruck. So, you know, two great guys that kind of ran subgroups. So if you went to L.A. or College Station, you may have had a different advisor. It could have been me or it could have been one of the other two people. And then in the Atlanta, Atlanta one was just me because it was a small group. But the College Station one, we had Christina Armstrong, who's been on the podcast before, death race finisher, uh, former OCR pro. And then we had Ronald Tortola, who was recently on the podcast, another death race finisher, and the man who's like a, you know, what's what of endurance, uh, you know, those selection and endurance events that I call, uh, assessment and selection events that I call them. Um, It's just kind of painful, painful experiences. So he's done pretty much everything. And he was also at the Go Rec Games this past weekend. All right, speaking of GORUCK games, um, I watched a little bit of the coverage. It looked awesome. Super cool that I think GORUCK is doing that. I thought they had a lot of cool events. Uh, you know, 100-pound he- uh, sandbag carry for like a mile. They did an obstacle course in there. They did some kind of static holds. Kind of reminds me of like Strongman, but with an OCR twist. Or or very, very similar to the DRX games uh, that uh, they used to have up in Ch- near Chicago. Yeah, the one thing I thought was weird... Um, was, you know, they do all these, like, strength and endurance events, and then the last uh, event was, like, King of the Ring. So it was essentially wrestling slash, um, you know, you actually can tap the person out based off of the video I was watching. So I just commented to my teammates that I thought it was really weird that that's, like, the default thing in a lot of um, these competitions. Like, Broken Skull Ranch had a wrestling component. Gorek Games had a wrestling component. Spartan Games had a wrestling component. It just seems very bizarre to me that we, you know, the the other they're testing for like speed and endurance and strength, and then the final event is like a different category of sports. Well, it's like, all right, like they switched to like combat sports for the last thing. To me, that's like doing a triathlon and taking the top four guys and being like, all right, now you're gonna fight to see who's the best triathlete. And it's like, well, why aren't we why aren't we just doing triathlon then, or doing something similar for Ninja Warrior, right? Like taking the top four guys and instead of doing that. Um, you know, one of the other seasons they were doing like the Tower of Power where they were going head-to-head, like instead of doing that to do wrestling. And I know some of you are thinking, well, you know, the the wrestling does test strength, speed, and endurance, so no, that is that is on brand. I do think there's a little bit of an argument there, but it, it's still a different category of sports, right? Like, you know, why not do um, karate point sparring instead? Or why not do, 
you know, boxing or something like that, or MMA. Again, the counter to that would probably be like, well, we're not trying to hurt each other. It's like, well, I, I would say, you know, the the rules it looked like for the uh, Go Rec games was you could do you could tap people out, so you could do joint manipulations and you could do chokes and you could do throws like judo and you could do, um, you know, sumo or wrestling kind of push people out of the ring. So yeah, I just think just think it's a little bit bizarre that it switches over to combat sports for that final round. But overall, it looked like a really cool event, and I think uh, Go Ruck did an absolutely fantastic job. Though we had some great media coverage. If you were following Mudgear, they were doing a lot of the media coverage there. They had one of their, um, I can't remember her name off the top of my head, but she was out there giving some coverage. And some of my teammates did really well, right? We had uh, Brent Hastert finish fifth. Uh, he was in second at one point, but ultimately ended up finishing fifth. <coughs> and then, you know, multiple time previous podcast guest and owner of Noob Sanity, Jared Newby ended up finishing second, which was also. Uh, super cool to see. And then I believe Hunter won for the men, and Mac Roche came in third. And for the ladies, it was Katie Knight first, Chris Roglowski second, and then my own teammate, uh, Rachel Waters, uh, finishing third. So we, we had a great great performance from our team, and it was kind of cool to see. Yeah, I definitely hope that's something they keep up and uh, keep going in the future. I also found it slightly amusing that you know, Robert Killian was there, who's, I would say, the best... Uh, athlete I know in special forces across the board like out of everyone and he actually didn't make it to the finals which is again I, I just find that slightly amusing because Go Ruck is a organization started by uh, special forces guys so you know not not that Robert Killing again still a phenomenal athlete but it was just funny to um, like theoretically you would assume that he would automatically not automatically but really, like he's physically built uh and the events would kind of play to his advantage, but I guess I guess some of them were a little more strength based, based off of who ended up on the podium. You know, Mac and uh, Hunter are both bigger guys, so I think it. Um, again, I don't have all the events listed in front of me, but I think it definitely played to the the more muscular athlete uh, versus someone who's a little more light in endurance. And then uh, again, which makes uh, Jarrett Newby's finish even more that more impressive because uh, he's not. I mean, he's tall, but he's not like. He's not built the way Mac or Hunter is. I do really hope they keep the Gorak games going. And um, I didn't watch season two yet of Spartan games, but I, I really enjoyed season one. So I think those are both great, great for the sport, great to kind of build exposure. And one of the problems with obstacle course racing is giving it in a way that it's interesting, it's interesting format. And I think the Spartan games, the Gorak games type format, DRX games, plays better for TV coverage than like Toughest Mudder, which is 8 or 12 hours, or tw World Toughest Mudder, 24 hours, or even just the Spartan National Series. You know, I think those are, they're too complex. They, they take too long, and there's not enough position changes to really keep people's attention. But these Spartan games, go games, is a lot more like Strongman, uh, which is interesting, right? Because you're having people do crazy stuff, um, stuff that people are sitting on their couch being like, I can't believe these guys are doing this, or these girls. So... Hope they keep it going. Maybe get some even better TV coverage on it next year. Maybe get some like actual TV coverage from like a major uh, a brand. I think that would be really cool. Or maybe even like a streaming service. I think that would be cool. Good stuff. Speaking of streaming services, update on the Ultra OCR Man documentary. So Bobby Ross sent me what looks like a final cut. It is like 99% done. He was just adjusting some of the graphics. I think we had a couple typos in there. But it's 24 minutes long. Covers a little bit of OCR America 2, a little bit of uh, OCR Mill 21,000 feet. Um, covers some of my personal life and some of the kind of the lead up to both of those events. 
it's really good. I can't wait to share it with the world. Uh, we're just kind of figuring out how to get it out there at this point. Again, the goal for that is to get it on like Amazon Prime or uh, Netflix or something like that. Some sort of streaming service or again where we can expose the world to that. There's a sport called obstacle course racing and there's people in it um, that are running competitively and they're, at, they're athletes, right? So the people that were at the Gorek Games, people that are at Spartan Games, um, etc. Um, the, the, basically the people running the elite heat. You, I want to expose the world to like, hey, there's like athletes in the sport and more people should pay attention. But yeah, I was watching it, and it's funny because it takes, you know, all all the comments in there are said by me, and I I still agree with all the things I said. But it's funny because it strips out a lot of my other conversation, which makes me seem like I I seem like a very obsessive person, which I guess I am on some level. But it's it's just like I laugh when I I watch it on some points because I I say stuff and I'm like, wow, oh, that sounds sounds intense. Who is this guy? So it's kind of it feels like a almost. Uh, sensationalized version of myself but it's i mean it's accurate it's just it's just not tampered by all of the normal things i say in between uh statements that sound you know ridiculous about you know pushing through the pain etc bottom line i think people enjoy it and you know if you were at ocr america 2 or ocr mill 21,000 feet um or were around when bobby was filming you know there's there's some other friends that are make quick appearances in there jay flores um scott Rosecki. Daniel Leonard, Mike Stefano, obviously, Jacob Stone, my dad, Jenny Overstreet, Jarrett Newby, basically all, all, the, all the pacers from the uh, eight days of OCR America make an appearance in there. All right, now the big one, the my next charity fundraiser, right? So every year I do an ultra OCR endurance charity fundraiser. Now, for the last six years, I've partnered with Folds of Honor. He does scholarship money for children whose parents were killed or wounded in action. Over the last six years, I say we because it, it was really you guys – um, I've raised $26,000 for uh, Folds of Honor. That gives five scholarships, um, five 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 $5,000 scholarships to kids whose parents were killed and wounded in action. So it's been a lot of great work, and I've really enjoyed working with them. Now, based off my relationship with Tough Mudder and Infant Hero this year, I decided to switch charities and because I'm using Tough Mudder for the final Ultra OCR charity. Yeah, basically, I've run out of ideas, so this is the last idea I have that's unique. So this is what I'm going to do for... 2022's charity fundraiser. So June 4th and 5th weekend, Tough Mudder New England is going on. It's at Stratton, Vermont. So same mountain as OCR World Championships from last year and same one as this year. Plan is to start Saturday morning, uh, 7.45 a.m. with the normal Legion Airwave and start accumulating elevation, right? So I'm going to run the course, uh, see how much elevation I accumulate there. And then based off of how much I actually accumulate on the course, I will either on the side, run up and down parts of the mountain. So the goal for the weekend is to accumulate the height of Everest, the height of Everest, so 29,029 feet, while doing obstacles, right? So I'm Everesting while doing obstacles, right? Again, so Ultra OCR. What I really like about this is, so my very first charity fundraiser, OCR America 1, started in Tough Mudder, New England in 2016. And this is going to be my last one, and it's finishing at Tough Mudder, New England in 2022. So it really feels like Nice storybook ending, like complete circle to the whole process. That was not really planned out in advance. I kind of only realized it as I was uh, putting the kind of finishing touches on on this thing. But yeah, so I really encourage people, uh, if you're in the Northeast or you want to travel to the Northeast, go on and get some good training in for OCR World Championships. Fly out to Tough Mudder, uh, New England, and come pace me. I could really use some company. You know, during normal course hours, I'll be running 
essentially the course. So 7.45 a.m. to 5 p.m. Saturday, and then, you know, like 8 a.m. Sunday to noon on Sunday. In between, you know, while it's nightfall, not 100% sure what that will look like. So we're still kind of clarifying the, uh, based off insurance and uh, safety concerns they have with me running the course at night. You know, Tough Mudder's a much bigger company, a bigger corporation than uh, some of the other <laughs> other charity events I've used, which have basically been fast and loose and handshake agreements like, hey, you're not going to sue me, Evan, all right? And I was like, nope. And they're like, cool, good enough for me. <laughs> so um, this is a little bigger corporation and, you know, there's a little more people involved because it's not their personal property. So what I think we'll end up doing is we'll, we'll probably end up using a portion of the mountain that's not on the course um, just to accumulate elevation to go up and down. And we'll basically stay within sight of um, wherever my pit crew is residing so they can keep an eye on me and make sure I haven't uh, collapsed on down the, and fallen down the side of the mountain. But yeah, it's going to be terrible. It's going to be absolutely painful. Um, if you know me, you know elevation and mountain running is not my strong point. I think there's, um, while the other challenges I feel like I was specially situated to do, and I have a very uh, high skill level in kind of pushing through the pain and endurance and doing obstacles, especially on back-to-back days, or like the mental strength it required to kind of run on a treadmill for 24 hours, or the you know focus for to do Endure the Gauntlet. I think there's a lot of other people who could do this challenge a lot better than me. Um, so I think it might get a little bit messy. We'll see uh, We'll see how it goes. Bobby Ross is coming out, and he is going to be doing uh, – he's going to film for me. So we're going to produce a video for it. Maybe three minutes, maybe ten minutes. I don't know. Probably closer to three, but, you know, Bobby will make it as long as it is interesting. So, you know, if I if things start getting really ugly out there, um, I, I imagine it will be longer um, than if it is – if it goes fairly smoothly. But yeah, I could use some pacers, come out to Tough Motor New England. If you can't come out, kind of like OCRML 21,000 feet, we're going to do a virtual challenge. So the virtual challenge is up right now on the TeamStrengthSpeed.com website. You can head over to the charity events section under Ultra OCR Mantab, I believe. And there's a link that says Ultra OCR, correction, it says OCR Everest 2022. There's links for the virtual event, essentially plus or minus a week from when I'm doing my event. Uh, the goal is for you to do kind of like OCR mill 21,000 feet, you do four obstacles, you do accumulate 500 feet of elevation, either outside or on a treadmill, and you do four obstacles and you repeat. So over the course (coughs) of the (coughs) event, you would do one-tenth of what I'm doing. So you're going to do 2,903 feet of elevation cumulatively, and you're going to do a total of 28 obstacles. And again, the obstacles are your choice, I uh, generally recommend a strength, a grip, a balance, and then whatever you want. And it's going to be loosely competitive, just like the one one last year, right? So, you know, the idea is to get some good training in, get some good elevation training, and get some good obstacle proficiency training in. You know, maybe with all the rising gas prices, maybe you, you don't have as much uh, free time or money to travel as far as you usually do. So this is a good event. You can grab a couple of friends and kind of knock it out. Uh, registration is 50 bucks. It goes to the charity completely, so I don't take any cut of that. So 100% goes to that charity, and we're using GoFundMe. Again, it's not it's GoFundMe's charity section, so the, the money is not going to me. I want to be make that real clear. So it's GoFundMe's charity, so the money you donate through the GoFundMe website will go directly to Infinite Hero uh, Foundation. The buckles and the cost is going to be for mailing. I'm, I'm eating that cost, right? So that I take that out of pocket. Basically, sales from, from books or blegmits or whatever else I sell off my website or any other kind of funding I get 
that's what I use to pay for that. So um, these charity events do cost me a couple thousand dollars per, um, but it seems like a pretty good deal, right? If I can spend a couple thousand but make twice as much money in, in fundraising goals, right? Like that, to me, that's a good use of money. And I have a, a personal experience that I, I find personally very rewarding and my friends find uh, very rewarding, the ones that actually get to come on the trip and you know spending time with other members of the OCR community and then raising the profile of OCR again. So when people hear, oh, there's this crazy guy doing X, Y, or Z, um, they're like, oh, there's like this whole other side to Tough Mudder besides, or you know, OCR besides running in a banana costume um, through a course. Already told uh, the greatest MC in all of OCR, Sean Corvell, about it. So I think he's going to give me a couple shout-outs on the podcast. We should get some good traction for that. And Sean Corvell will be at Tough Mudder New England, which is going to be awesome because, again, he gets me so motivated and always has such nice things to say. And I think uh, that's really going to help because he'll be able to help drive people over to donations. Uh, so we'll have the donation site on-site in addition to having it online. So I think we should do really well. I honestly think this will be our biggest fundraiser ever. I think OCR America, we hit around 7,000. And OCR Mail 21,000 feet, we hit around 7,000 also. Uh, so I set the sights for 10,000 for this one just based off of the type of people that come to Tough Mud are a little more community and teamwork oriented. Um, so I think between our the nor the growing support we've had online for the last couple of events, uh, plus the fact that Bobby Ross will be putting out a video. I know I said that about OCR Mill 21,000 feet, but we're using that footage for the documentary, which is why uh, no one's seen that yet. But this was not will not be part of the documentary. So uh, this will go out online, so you'll be able to see it. And hopefully we'll kind of raise some of that profile. And then on top of that, we got Tough Mudder on board, obviously. So I just had a phone call today with someone who's handling some of their marketing. So we should get some exposure outside the kind of normal Tough Mudder OCR circles and to kind of help spread the sport a little bit more. Also wanted to give a quick shout out to OCR Buddy. So they, I know they've updated their website and they're making it in their app. So make sure you download their app. OCR Buddy, you can find it in the App Store. Um, one, it has races on there. Two, it has discount codes on there. Three, you can actually use it for some travel booking now. So I saw that you can actually like get a hotel uh, through them, I believe. So definitely kind of like an all-in-one resource for anyone who's looking to uh, travel and race at OCRs. Plus, they have a segment called 10 Questions. Uh, they recently did one with Hannibal Race, so 10 Questions with Amin Dib and Hibish Shahayab. Uh, you can check that out. My 10 questions should be coming out soon. I just sent it back to uh, Russ Blatt, the owner of OCR Buddy. Again, been a little busy, so that took a little longer than I, I had hoped. Plus, there's a 10 questions for uh, Rachel Waters up there. So, if again, you want to know more about her and her crushing it at uh, Go Rec Games and what other stuff she has coming on, you can head over and check that out. She also recently appeared on the Obstacle Racing Media podcast. So I'd go over and listen to her on there. Plus, some of my other great articles are up on uh, OCR Buddy. There's one for Casey OCR Double Down. So doing back-to-back uh, -back racing in, in the Kansas City area. Uh, one of which is already passed, which is a mythic race. And then there's an article, a review of Hazelwood Valentine's OCR Massacre, which is the last kind of competitive OCR I did. Uh, plus an article called OCR with Grandpa about taking my dad, who's 74, on um, obstacles at Casey Timber Challenge. Oh, I guess he's 75 now. Yep. Plus the 10 questions on uh, Jenny Overstreet and a review of Hylete's training shoes and one of Hylete's jackets. All of that's on OCR Buddy. It's a great resource there. Did want to give a quick shout out to Mythic Race. They held their first race in April. 
It's run by Strength and Speed uh, member William Shell, so a former track athlete uh, turned obstacle course racer who's made such enormous improvements over the last couple of years in his obstacle proficiency. And he really put on a unique event. I was not there because I was running uh, Infinite Hero Honor Challenge, um, but I'm hoping I can make it out next year. They had a 5K and a 5-hour option. And the obstacles looked really great, really inventive. I'm going to try to get someone that was actually at the event on the podcast soon and kind of give us a rundown of what actually, like what were the obstacles there? Because I heard there was like a pegboard slash Gibbons hybrid. They had like a dragon's back variant. They had a, I think they had a Legaff variant. So a lot of cool different stuff than what you would normally see. And it looked like it was built really well. Now he did announce that he plans to do a race in 2023, uh, probably in the same area of Missouri. So I'm going to guess around the same time. So, you know, follow Mythic Race. Make sure you follow their Facebook page and pay attention to them and uh, get signed up for 2023. I know with these, with new events, um, you know, a lot of times people, people will do them for a year, maybe even two years. And then, like, if two or three years later you're still not, like, it's, it's not worth your time and effort, um, you know, they're going to go away. So these local brands that people... If you like them, you need to support them, right? You need to grab some friends and head out there and uh, really show your support. But again, he did announce he's going to do one in 2023, so definitely going to put that on my schedule and hope that I don't have an infinite hero conflict again. Because I'm I'm kind of a single point of failure there for infinite hero, so I had to, I had to go to those uh, tough motor events to help run them. And if you did infinite hero in the last two years, 2023, assuming it's a, it's a go again, will be completely different, right? So it'll be a different storyline different experience so i if you did one already i encourage you to come back out uh, we did have our first uh, repeat customer there uh, raymond was at 2021 at the first event in tri-state he came back out for this last event in atlanta and i honestly think um, we're getting a little bit better at kind of refining the product every every time we do it right so i think the i think the atlanta event might have been our best one i think the you know the justification i had for why we were doing stuff the storyline made, made the most sense and kind of the challenges and experience was the was the hardest uh, one yet. So continue to refine the product, and I think it continues to get better. And people, uh, based off of the feedback we had from Atlanta, I think people really enjoyed themselves. Also head over to TeamStrengthSpeed.com. I just released my new book. Well, it's on Amazon right now, but if you want a signed copy, you wait a little while, and I will start shipping them from my website, TeamStrengthSpeed.com. But currently the book's on Amazon. It's called On Endurance. A Practical Guide to Achieving Superhuman Performance. So essentially what I did was I took, you know, like hundreds of hours of, of Strength and Speed podcast, and I didn't re-listen really to all of it, but I listened to a bunch of episodes, and I, I would pull lessons learned from uh, individual athletes and then use that to build like, a, all right, here's a step-by-step guide. And mostly it's focused on mindset, right? You know, whether you're doing ultra cycling or running or you're doing, you know, whatever your sport is, if it's endurance, and that's kind of a relative term because – Endurance for some is not endurance for others, right? Like I wouldn't consider – personally, I wouldn't consider like 10K endurance. But, you know, if you're a 100-meter runner, 10K is endurance. So I think a lot of the a lot of the lessons will still apply even if your, your definition of endurance is slightly different. But I took all these lessons learned and combined them into like a step-by-step guide. Like, all right, do this, do this. So you don't have to like – like if you read my biography, you're going to have to – a lot of times you'll read it and then you'll have to infer like the lesson learned. Um, sometimes I outright state it. But the this one is straight up like here is the lesson, you know, setting short, medium, and long-term goals. Here's an example of me doing it. Here's an example of someone else doing it. Here's an example of a third person doing it. And here's why it works. Also had the forward written by John Kelly. So 
previously on the podcast, uh, the last finisher of the Barclays Marathon. Right, so he wrote the forward, which I was super happy with. You can check that out. It's on digital. I think digital is about five bucks from Amazon. If you want hard copy, it's about fifteen. And if you want a signed copy, it'll be fifteen. And you can you'll have to wait a little bit. That'll wait for me to actually get them in my store, and then I can sign it for you. I think we have like thirty athletes or something like that in the book. So just I just reached out to a whole bunch of people, you know, and I unlike. So one of my favorite books on mindset for training is Matt Fitzgerald's How Bad Do You Want It? And what he does, he he did a similar approach. I kind of mimicked his approach, to be honest with you. So he took, But he took high-profile examples, right? So he took Tour de France riders and uh, ultra-marathon runners or, um, you know, marathon runners, world record, like borderline world record marathon runners, and he used them as examples to drive his points home. Now what I like about my book, the one thing I think – the thing I have over him is so I use examples of people that are a little more relatable right so everyone in the book has like a day job right so while they may make money from racing they're it's not their full-time job they don't have an army of trainers they don't have you know they don't have like all right well all I have to do is wake up and train today like they have a normal day job they have to do that but they also have to take care of their kids their family and they have to perform at races on the weekends and I know all of them personally because they were all on the Strength and Speed podcast. So every time I wrote something about someone, I'd cut, copy it, paste it, send it to them, and be like, is this accurate? Feel free to change anything. Send it back to me. Give me some feedback to really refine it. So I really enjoy uh, the way it came out. And honestly, it's it's hard because you're constantly recording stuff. So there's always more stuff I want to add. So I eventually had to be like, all right, this is – I've gotten the point across where I'm good enough. But it could really be something I could – you know, continue to add on forever. And it's also a thank you to my podcast guests, right? These people take the time and effort out to sit down and record with me and talk, share their wisdom with you. So I wanted to also kind of give them a thank you by including them in this book and allowing their some of their words to live on in a more um, more permanent format, you know, because podcasts, I think people listen for a little while and then, you know, most of your listens will happen in the first uh, month or two. And then um, occasionally you'll get someone like, at least I know personally, like I occasionally will find a podcast I enjoy and go back and start from episode one in like 2015 and start listening again. Um, but I don't think that's normal. I think most people like start a couple episodes back, pick it up and kind of stick with it for a while. So this is a permanent, more of a permanent way. You know, it'll, that book will be up on Amazon as long as Amazon's a thing and people will be able to read their words. And um, again, a thank you to all my guests. And I wish I could have included more, but at some point, I get tired of re-listening to my own recordings and trying to find like a couple of nuggets from each one. All right, that took way longer than I was expecting. I was expecting to talk for like 20 minutes, and I've been talking almost nonstop for about 45. So I will see some of you at Tough Mudder, Missouri this weekend. If this is after Tough Mudder, Missouri has happened, I will see some of you at Toughest Philadelphia. We've got some great guests lined up for you in the future. Uh, some OCR people, some of our non-OCR people I've got coming up. I've got uh, Jeff Underhill. He's the mayor of Junction City and he's a strongman. So our local mayor is actually a, st- a competitive strongman. Super cool guy. I went to – I took him on a trip, a bunch of civilians, uh, to National Training Center in Fort Irwin, California. So we're going to bring him on and talk to him. Like I mentioned, we're going to bring up one of the recipients of the Infinite Hero uh, Foundation's benefits, quadriplegic, um, obviously military veteran. And then the next episode you'll hear is actually uh, – we had a – what is he? How fast is marathon? Two, two, he's below 215. I think he's 213 marathon runner. So 
He's in the Army's world-class athlete program. We brought him here uh, as part of my day job for the Army to run a marathon workout and a seminar afterwards. So I recorded the seminar. So I'm sure I was like, oh, he's got to have some great stuff to say. So the next episode will actually be in a slightly different format. You'll hear mostly him talking. I'll do like an intro at the beginning, and uh, if any of the questions we can't hear, I'll, I'll add it to them. But you'll you'll hear him talking. Um, he's just insanely fast, and um, it's on the older side for marathon runners. He's about my age, so he's about 39. He's he's won the Marine Corps Marathon, which is like one of the biggest marathons. It's a huge marathon, right? There's like 30,000 people there. And I think he's coming second at the Army 10-miler. Again, another massive race uh, twice. So he's the coach for the world-class athlete program for the Army for distance running, and he's an athlete for them. Name's uh, Sam Koskai. So cool dude. Got to hang out with him for the weekend. And then was, what was really nice was he actually got to go to like the local track meet and spend time with the kids there. So they have this like olympic qualifier track athlete talking to these kids before they run and uh they all run prs like every single one of them you know it's because it was having that um pressure to perform and that someone's watching me and someone of a high level is watching me and he's and they're uh they're just crushing it because they have this extra boost of motivation which just kind of reinforces how the importance the importance of mindset as you go into a race um and these are short track races right so a couple hundred meters long still the, the importance is there and again that's what my book focuses on on endurance right so it focused on that mental aspect that you can use to leverage the kind of peak performance that's about it head over to teamstrengthspeed.com again sign up for ocr everest virtual challenge come out to tough one new england come pace me pick up a copy of on endurance and hopefully we'll start recording again more regularly soon hopefully my schedule will slow down a little bit now that i'm not traveling every other weekend for uh, infinite hero all right we'll catch you later it's been great.